Welcome to Financial Planning for Oil and Gas Professionals, hosted by certified financial planners Justin Brownlee and Jared Machen of Brownlee Wealth Management. The only podcast dedicated to those of you in the oil and gas profession to help you optimize investments, lower future taxes, and grow your wealth. Learn more and subscribe today at brownleewealthmanagement.com. Welcome back to another episode of FPOG, Financial Planning for Oil and Gas Professionals. This week on the podcast, we're going to continue with another case study. In our last episode, we did a case study on a couple heading into retirement within the next year, and we talked through the different financial planning opportunities, questions, problems that they face. And the purpose of this is we want to give you an inside look as to if if you were watching us think through a wealth management plan for a client that we have, we want you to be able to see some of the problems that we think through, some of the questions that we're asking and sometimes answering, and uh, some of the ways that we look for opportunities. And so we're going to continue in that theme. And today we're going to address a different demographic. So our, our last episode was more someone who's 55 to 60 uh, heading into retirement. This week, we want to focus on someone who is younger, let's say 35 to 45 years old, and they're in what we would call the accumulation phase. Uh, And we want to think through some of the different aspects of their plan. And uh, I might do a little bit of compare and contrast. Um, So financial planning does have similarities regardless of age regardless of assets. Uh, So I'll I'll point out some of the things that are a little bit universal, uh, regardless of who we're working with. And um, also talk about what are the unique things that are really pressing if you're 39 years old, if you're 42 years old, uh, but they may not be nearly as pressing later in life or younger in life. So with that being said, uh, we will dive in here shortly. Um, let's see, I think last time, uh, last episode, I gave an update um, on conference realignment. So now we know that the Pac-12 has kind of imploded. So if you're a college football fan, the landscape has changed drastically. Um, and while that happened, I was uh, traveling. I was on a road trip with my family in the Four Corners. And so we went uh, to Kansas City all the way down to Fayetteville, Arkansas, but then over to Santa Fe, New Mexico and Durango, Colorado. Um, we also made a stop in Pampa, Texas in the Panhandle. So we just finished a massive road trip. It was a lot of fun. Uh, but it was also, you know, if you're in Texas and I'm not sure when this is going to come out, but probably sometime in August. So you can you can still this this will be this will be uh, relevant news. Uh, you can resonate with this. It has been unbelievably hot. Uh, so we've had a record setting summer and this road trip. It was fun to get uh, to New Mexico and Colorado. Um, even Arkansas was really nice and Kansas wasn't too bad. Um, but especially those 50, 55 degree mornings in, in Colorado and New Mexico, those sure were fun. Um, so back in, back in Texas now and enjoying the 110 highs. Uh, but with that being said, we'll dive in. We're going to talk about financial planning for a younger demographic. Uh, I think the next case study we do, I mentioned in our last episode, we will probably do three 
case studies. Um, so, you know, we've already done retirement planning. Today, we're going to do a younger person who's accumulating assets. Uh, but then we're likely going to do a third case study on a family that they could be old or young. Age is, isn't the most relevant uh, piece. The more relevant piece is total assets. It's net worth. It's do you have assets that make your estate taxable? Um, and if you do, what are some of the considerations you need to be thinking through? So that'll be our next case study. But today, we're going to meet our hypothetical clients. All right. Now, Alvin and Alyssa are 41 years old. They have three kids and they live in Midland, Texas. Um, you know, the only delineation with geography that I made a little bit in our last case study is there certainly are uh, different tax opportunities. Now this becomes very apparent. So first thing I'm thinking about when someone's 41 and they have three kids, not maybe not the first thing, but one of the first things that I think through is, hey, they have children. Do they wanna pay for college? They're in Texas. We do not have a state income tax in Texas. Therefore, contributing to 529 plans are treated much like a Roth IRA. There is no um, tax benefit up front. It's all about the long-term tax-free growth, but they're in Texas, no state income tax. Compare that to, you know, let's say New York, California, Colorado, places that have a state income tax. There are often 529 plans that will give a state income tax deduction. So um, that's, let's, let's continue meeting them before we go too deep down the planning rabbit trail. If you're with us on YouTube, you can see this here on the screen. Their income, $750,000. They are spending $20,000 a month. Uh, that might seem like a lot. It might seem like a little. Uh, we might touch on that later. Uh, they are wanting, so we, we see here, they are wanting to fully fund college for their three children. Right now, they have $2.6 million in investable assets. Uh, they're ahead of the curve. They're doing very well, so that's a great income number. Um, they've done a great job building their investable assets. And so um, Alvin and Alyssa Accumulator are well on their way. Now, I did not include a slide on this, so I'll just get out my marker here and draw it real quick. There are three basic phases of financial planning when it comes to over time, what phase are you in? Accumulator is the first phase. Um, and then preservation is the second phase. So we have accumulation, preservation, and then distribution. So retirement is distribution phase. You've, you've saved your assets, you've accumulated significant assets, and now you're spending them. Accumulation, the first phase, is the exact opposite. Uh, Alvin and Alyssa are not spending any of their assets. Um, all of their life expenses come from or met by their income. Uh, they have a top 1% income, so they're making excellent money. Uh, they're doing really well, and so they're in the accumulation phase. They are not spending any of their existing assets. They are instead accumulating, growing more assets. And a little bit with tax retirement planning, but also with their estate plan, a little bit with risk management with insurance. Um, there's a delineation there and certainly their investment exposure. So how much risk they're willing to take on. All of those things change a little bit knowing that, hey, this, this family's in the accumulation phase. They are not interested in retiring anytime soon. So the distribution phase is, is not close. 
Uh, preservation phase might get close. Preservation phase is really your shortest phase of financial life. That's where you're getting ready to distribute. So you're within, say, five years of retirement. But Alvin and Alyssa, they're not even there. They're in the accumulation phase. They enjoy work. They're not planning to retire you know, anytime, anytime soon, they're not, they're not thinking that they're going to have some massive shift where they start spending their money. They're, they're really asking the question, how do I make great decisions now that our income is in a significantly higher tax bracket? Uh, how do we manage resources that, you know, they probably did not have anywhere near this amount 10, 20 years ago. Um, and so they're, they're trying to essentially keep the ball rolling. They're making good progress. They're think things are going pretty well, and they want that to continue. They want to see their assets compound. They want to make good tax decisions. They want to they want to know that their financial plans organized and moving in the right direction. And so, let's dive into some of the specifics. I do have listed here. If you're not seeing the picture, net worth is three million dollars. So you can back into that and assume that if investable assets are 2.6 million, that means they have 400,000 of equity in their home. I'm keeping cars out of it. Um, you can, you know, you can really go either way on that, but uh, not not a huge issue either way. Um, you know, the other thing about cars is there. I've heard some. I, I read this advice. I want to say it was this week, maybe yesterday, uh, but. The advice in regards to spending was that you should really, really not care and have a have a relaxed perspective when it comes to spending your last three digits of net worth. And so the the idea there, let's get a little more practical there, is you know, if you have a net worth of $900,000 and something costs $800, well, that 800, that's in the last three digits of your net worth. You know, it's, it's not going to make or break you. And so you don't need to obsess over that spending decision, but you can also kind of customize it. Um, and I, I might be totally butchering this from what I read, but big picture, if your net worth is $50 million, well, then you don't need to obsess or get too worried about spending $10,000. If your net worth is $500,000, well, you don't need to obsess over spending $50. Um, and so kind of right-sizing how you think about um, your, your different expenses and, and how you spend. Now, let's go back to Alvin and Alyssa here. So Midland, Texas, they're 41 years old. They have three kids, 2.6 million in investable assets. Here's how that breaks down in their balance sheet. So if we get specific, look at each account, their pre-tax assets are 1.2 million. So almost half, about 50% of their assets are in pre-tax retirement plans. So 401k, IRA, or pension, we could also throw 403b, 457, whatever the case, this is their pre-tax bucket. And I draw that in red, we have a red circle there. Reason being, all of that is still exposed to income tax, so we need to be mindful of that. They have 1 million in brokerage. Now, 500,000 of that is in cash because of some significant cash bonuses um, they have received. 500,000 is still in a brokerage investment account. So an investment account that is not a retirement account. Next, we have two Roth IRAs. Alyssa has 100,000 in hers. Alvin has 100,000 in his. We also see here that they have 200,000 in 529 accounts. 
So that is a lot. That is the huge, huge savings in 529s. Um, we will certainly come back to that. That's their balance sheet. So net worth of $3 million. 2.6 of that three is investable liquid assets, well, liquid in air quotes, uh, assets today. Um, and again, their income is a tremendous income, 750000 uh, And so we want to think through what are the tax decisions that they want to think through both this year. Can they do things to lower their, their tax bill in the next 12 months? Uh, the bigger question we want to ask, though, is what do, what do we want to do? How do we want to position their balance sheet? What decisions can lower their taxes over the next 10, 20 years? Um, so thinking with a much longer lifetime tax rate in mind, um, estate planning, is that organized? Is it set up? Um, do key family members know uh, where to go, what to look for there? Um, insurance risk management. And we're also going to talk about investments a little bit too, because Here's the biggest difference. I'll you know take a quick pause here and, and talk about probably the biggest societal, family, or financial planning difference between uh, millennials and boomers. The biggest difference is how your benefits are structured. And so we have a lot of videos and articles on NUA, on net unrealized appreciation. Uh, we have a lot of content on your decision around your pension and thinking through pension assets that are qualified versus not qualified. Um, those two topics are, are massive, massive things to think through. Extremely relevant for most people retiring from an oil and gas company uh, today. So if you are over 55, those things are very relevant to you. Um, if you're 40, you might have NUA, um, you might have a pension, but the biggest shift by far is that no longer do you see pensions and 10% 401k matches. You, you do still see some of it, but more, more of what you're seeing is RSUs. And, you know, restricted stock units is really just one form. I could make a little bit more broad definition. Equity compensation. Easily the biggest difference in financial planning between millennials and the 60-year-old and up generation. So the reason why that's such a foundational difference is you're talking about a, a vastly different balance sheet breakdown. Uh, if you watched our last episode... Um, I think it was Elvin or Elvis and Emojean. Their retirement plan, their balance sheet was something like 90% pre-tax, uh, maybe 80% pre-tax, but very heavy, very overweight in assets that have not been taxed yet, but assets that will all face some sort of tax rate at some point in time, whether in their life or in their children's lives. Now, with millennials, we don't necessarily have the pension benefit. Uh, we don't necessarily have NUA. And so, so much of our balance sheet is now shifting from, if you're on YouTube, the red bucket to the blue bucket. Um, any form of equity compensation or cash bonus as well, um, that is ending up in a non-retirement brokerage account. So big difference there. There's no tax shelter with the blue asset. Uh, with the brokerage asset there. Uh, there's no tax shelter. You have to be mindful of dividends, capital gains. Um, also, there is no asset protection there. And so a lot of, a lot of different opportunities and problems. Um, I wouldn't necessarily say that it's good or bad. It's just different. 
Um, and so with that being said, let's dive into tax planning. So that's going to be the first thing we look at with their financial plan. What are some tax decisions Alvin and Alyssa can make to put themselves in a better position, both in the short term and in the long term? If you're with us on YouTube, you see number one. And this is uh, this is this is literally copy and pasted uh, from last week's episode. So defer, defer, defer again. This family is in the top tax bracket, and so there is no t- easier tax arbitrage than understanding that, hey, when you're making 750000 a year, you need to be doing pre-tax. Now, someone might watch this and think, well, tax rates are going to be higher for Alvin and Alyssa in retirement than they are today. Historically, we have low tax rates today. My answer to that is you're absolutely right. Um, tax rates are probably going up in the future. They're scheduled to go up in three years. And so why in the world would we defer knowing that? Well, a few different things. If Alvin and Alyssa are planning to work forever and they're never wanting to retire, well, then I would change my answer. And maybe they should do Roth. Uh, Maybe it should be considered. Now, that sounds like a a little bit of a facetious hypothetical, uh, but it is possible. There are some people that will work forever. Uh, Usually that's going to be, let's highlight this last point, someone who is self-employed, someone who has total control, uh, total control over their work situation to the extent that they get to dictate how long they work. If you own your business, you have a lot of say in that. You have a tremendous amount of influence in working until you're 90 years old if you want to. Um, But if you're working for a large company, you do not have that influence. And so we are assuming that Alvin and Alyssa at some point are not going to be working in their current situation. So whether it's eight years from now, whether it's 14 years from now or 24 years from now, Alvin and Alyssa will at some point in the future show this picture of the timeline, they will be in that green area where they have lower taxes because they do not have earned income. Um, So defer income. Number two, charitable giving. Certainly something they want to think through. If Alvin and Alyssa are giving anything to charity, uh, they need to really think about the RSUs that they have and potentially give the, the lowest basis shares that they have. Or if they just have brokerage investing, let's pretend that, the, I don't know, let's pretend they bought Google uh, 15 years ago um, and now it's up, you know, 2000% or something crazy. Those need to be the shares that are given to charity. And we've covered this, but again, even if they love Google or whatever the stock may be, and they want to hold it, they don't want to give it, uh, still give it to charity uh, and then repurchase it. And so charitable giving, you want to be strategic there. You also, you know, if you're giving $4,000 a year or $7,000 a year, bunch three or four years all into one year so that you can actually get a higher deduction than the standard deduction. Okay, Uh, Roth building. Now, you know, This is a little bit in contrast to number one. So I just mentioned that they need to be deferring income as much as they possibly can. Uh, But still, Alvin Alvin and Alyssa do need to be strategic about building their Roth assets where they can. Now, if we look at their balance sheet um, and just their description, their biography, we know that they're over the limit for Roth IRAs. So backdoor Roth is where we want to look there. Um, And let's kind of, that leads us into number four here. 
So where they contribute, where they invest, it needs to go HSA, if available, 401k pre-tax, max that out, backdoor Roth, and brokerage accounts. I'm going to say right now, there's, there's two things that should dominate Alvin and Alyssa's financial plan. So there's two things that matter more than anything else. Number one is a pretty boring topic, and that is life and disability insurance. Alvin and Alyssa have three kids. Yes, they've done a great job getting to where they are today, but they do not have enough assets to meet their needs if they were to pass away. So they need life insurance, they need disability insurance, and they probably need that for another 10 years or so. Um, So getting low cost term policies for a 10 year period of time could be great on the life insurance side. Maybe we see what their workplace offers. Maybe their workplace open enrollment benefits can check that box. Uh, But that's number one, period. They have to have appropriate life and disability insurance. Number two, this should dominate what they think about. And this, this thought has really changed the way we think about some of our current clients. We've done this for the past few months and doing this for the next several months. When we meet with younger clients, we are... You know, I, I'm adamant that not everyone has to budget, but we are trying to implement more of the budgeting features within our financial planning software. I mean, this is, you know, financial planning 101. It's so basic, it's almost boring. But you've got to understand that if you're 41 years old, it is extremely possible that you've got 50 or 60 more years to live. And so a dollar invested today is worth dramatically more than than a dollar invested 25 years from now. And so you don't necessarily feel super young if you're, you know, 40 and you have three kids, but you've got to understand that you could live for a, a, you know, really long period of time. And more important than almost anything else is your savings rate. You know, Vanguard, Fidelity, so much research has been done on this topic that the number one predictor of financial freedom, the number one predictor of future wealth is not your investment portfolio. Um, It's not even it's not even your income, oddly enough. The number one predictor of how how financially free you're going to be, it's your savings rate. It's the percentage of your income that you put into investments every year. Uh, you know, we like to say on this podcast, give every job, give every dollar in your life a job, assign every dollar a purpose. And so allocate money with intentionality. Um, and so your savings rate, Alvin and Alyssa are sitting there making 750000 a year. It's really easy to spend way more than they need to. Now we want to we want to stop here and, and part of financial planning income planning and if you're on YouTube you can run through all of these questions that we have here uh, but part of financial planning is hey spend joyfully enjoy spending money on what brings happiness meaning and purpose to your life do not do not be cheap just for cheap sake uh, so so it's good to joyfully spend money on the right things. Um, and so what we want to think through there is they don't need to budget forever, but we do probably want to budget for a six or nine month period of time so we can map out, hey, let's pretend that their earned income is 400000 a year, and then they have a $50,000 cash bonus uh, and then a $300,000 RSU uh, bonus, so equity compensation bonus. 
Um, so with that, with that breakdown, there might be an opportunity in there to say maybe 100% of RSUs get sold, diversified, and invested for long-term wealth. That might be the answer. If the RSU bucket is smaller and the just regular salary bucket is significantly higher, okay, we need to really figure out how much are we spending? You know, in the biography, I said they're spending $20,000 a month, but we have got to find a way to increase the amount going into brokerage account. Uh, so that's why on the tax that that was bolded in italics. Um, RSUs and savings rate is really going to dominate how quickly they reach financial freedom. You know, what we want to think through here is going back to their balance sheet and looking at their, their income situation, the way their assets are spread out now, the amount of assets that they have now, they're in a great situation. I mean, if they just work for another 18 years and they make 8% a year, well, that 2.6 is going to double to 5.2 in nine years. And then in the second nine years, that's going to double again. They're going to have $10 million. I'm not really getting at this to say they need to be really careful to make sure they don't put retirement in jeopardy. I'm more saying if Alvin and Alyssa want to give themselves optionality at a really young age, let's go to the timeline of planning down here, the last slide. So this flexibility window at age 50, if they want to be able to wake up at age 48 and say, hey, I think I've had enough, let's retire um, or let's go do something wildly different. Uh, we just had clients that, uh, you know, left a giant super major in Houston and they moved to Lawrence, Kansas to be professors. And so what an awesome thing. What an awesome life opportunity. And they did this, you know, kind of around age 50. If that's something that they want to do, maybe a career change where they're not working in the same industry, they're not necessarily going to make the same or have the same benefit structure, getting intentional at age 40 dramatically increases the odds that you will have that flexibility at 45, 50, 55. Give every dollar a job. Be intentional about every asset that passes through um, your financial household. And so if you hear nothing else, remember low cost fixed insurance is going to be critical for a five or 10 year period for this household, but then savings rate, figuring out how to dramatically increase the amount of savings. That's what's going to fast track them to financial freedom. Um, one other note on college funding. I think their 529s are probably in a pretty good spot. And they're not in Colorado. They're not in California. They don't have a state income tax. And so there's not, you know, some huge benefit today to putting money in there. I'm not opposed if they just want to build out their brokerage account as big as possible. And if we want to use that brokerage account to make up the difference with college planning, we can use tax loss harvesting. Uh, we can asset locate the portfolio. If we need to get out of balance in the brokerage account, sell things to pay for college in eight years or four years, we can do that. They've already got a really good base in 529s. Um, and so I'm okay if we want to just focus on building out the brokerage account. Some other things to call out for. Alvin and Alyssa have some pretty serious brokerage assets. So we do want to make sure their property and casualty insurance is appropriate. Make sure there's umbrella insurance there. Some other things to think through. Do they have an estate plan set up? Um, and family gifting. They're not at the point yet. You know, they don't need to be thinking about estate tax, not even close. 
what if their income was three times this amount? What if they were making 2.1, $2.2 million a year? Um, and you know, not only 2.6, but they were thinking, hey, we're gonna pass 5 million in the next few years. We're gonna get to 10 million shortly after that. Um, or if they owned their own business, and not only were they producing a significant income, but they have incredible equity value that could be sold. Well, then we would wanna think about maybe doing some family giving. Maybe we get interesting with the family giving. Maybe family limited partnerships will make sense at some point. And maybe, you know, if you're self-employed thinking through, do you want your kids to be included in that in any way? And so those are some of the questions that we would be asking. Um, and as they're, so again, not really an estate tax issue at all today, uh, but as assets compound or if they were self-employed and their business enterprise value was substantial, well, then that might change. And we might want to think through before 2026 comes, is there some estate planning that, that we can be opportunistic with? Career life retirement planning, again, I wanna end with this picture of the timeline of wealth management. And so they're in a very high tax situation today, proper allocation and proper savings rate. If we can invest enough, that gets them to financial freedom very quickly. We want them to hit that flexibility window and be able to do whatever they want. Definitely a tax planning window later in life as income changes. Um, but again, they're, they're well ahead of schedule. So long-term, they're on pace to have significant assets and on pace to pay a lot of taxes. And so we wanna think through things today and on an annual basis uh, to lower those. And so we wanna avoid capital gains. We wanna avoid portfolio turnover. They're in the highest tax bracket today. We wanna be really mindful of those things. And we wanna understand what are your big life goals? How long do you wanna be earning this income? Um, and is there a window later on where you wanna be fully retired? And if there is, we can defer a lot of our tax planning opportunities to that window. So that gives you a quick uh, picture of some of the things we want to think through um, with this. Uh, now, certainly, again, you know, we also want to be mindful of, of estimated tax payments. So there could be, especially if you're self-employed, uh, making sure you're staying out of, of trouble on that front. But uh, when it comes to tax, insurance, estate planning and retirement income planning, that's really how we want to view Alvin and Alyssa Accumulator's plan. Let us know if you have any questions, and we look forward to doing more of these. Thanks for listening to this episode of the podcast. You can subscribe or connect with us at brownleewealthmanagement.com or send ideas for future episodes to podcast at brownleewealthmanagement.com. Thanks, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is for informational purposes only. Nothing discussed during this show or episode should be viewed as investment, legal, and tax advice. If you have questions pertaining to your specific situation, please consult the appropriate qualified professional.